Hello everyone and welcome to a special edition of the Mimetic Exegete podcast. This is the first episode of How Simon Sees It. If you've been listening to the Mimetic Exegete podcast over the past season, we've applied the lens of mimetic theory to look at biblical text to get new applications, new insights into what's going on. In How Simon Sees It, I want to sidestep away from the biblical text and focus on how mimetic theory influences current affairs. Today, in the first How Simon Sees It episode, I want to examine our experience with the coronavirus situation from a mimetic perspective. These How Simon Sees It episodes won't be particularly long, maybe 5 to 15 minutes in length, but the idea is that instead of just looking at biblical texts, it gives me an opportunity to apply the concepts and ideas that we've drawn from there to our current life and situation as we're living it right now. So let me begin by sharing my experience of the coronavirus here in Australia. I don't know anyone who's actually contracted the virus, but I have read about a handful of people who have. At this time, I believe one person in Australia has died as a result of the crisis, an elderly gentleman who contracted the virus on a cruise ship. Apart from this one case, most people report that the virus manifests as mild cold symptoms for about a one to two week period. Unlike the most common influenza strains, which threaten the life of elderly and the infirm, we have no vaccination that will prevent the coronavirus. For this reason, the virus poses a threat to the elderly and to those whose immune systems are compromised, but to others, it represents a mild inconvenience for about a week or so. So with all this in mind, why are we seeing such widespread panic surrounding the coronavirus? Let's step back and have a look at this from a mimetic perspective. It all begins with the spread of this unknown so-called coronavirus among seafood workers in the Hanun seafood market in China in December 2019. Despite various travel restrictions, the virus has spread globally with the first confirmed cases hitting the Australian shores in early February 2020. Since then, Australia has gone into containment mode. Anyone who has recently travelled to China and returned with cold-like symptoms are being asked to self-isolate themselves for two weeks. The cruise ship I mentioned earlier, which had a confirmed case of coronavirus, was refused to dock as passengers were isolated in their cabins in an attempt to control the spread of the deadly virus. Meanwhile, mass media in Australia is constantly reminding us of the danger posed by the coronavirus. Terms such as pandemic and supervirus are daily thrown about on television and in newspapers. All of this propaganda feeds the fear of the Australian public and has precipitated widespread panic. Communal panic is a mimetic process. It starts with one person who fears the worst and manages to convince another, and then another, and then another, and so on and so forth. The most obvious symptom of this panic here in Australia seems to be a shortage of toilet paper. Yes, you heard right, toilet paper. Supermarket shelves, which previously stocked toilet paper, are now promptly being emptied as doomsday preppers bought up big to stock their bunkers full of toilet paper to get them through the inevitable crisis. 
Of course, when people hear that some members of the population are hoarding the toilet paper supplies, toilet paper all of a sudden becomes a desirable object. More people begin to desire toilet paper as they fear they'll be the only ones who can't get any when they need it most. Thanks to the mimetic processes, Australia's corona-fueled toilet paper fetish has reached fever pitch levels. The panic seems out of proportion to the low threat which the coronavirus poses to the majority of the population. Our experience here in Australia reminds us that mimetic processes are not rational or sensible. They do not rely on data or facts, but merely require a spark to get the mimetic machine running. Once up and running, mimesis gains momentum as it draws more and more people into its gears. The resultant panic seems ludicrous from the outside, but to those caught up in the grip of mimetic processes, the danger is very real. Unfortunately, the panic generated by the coronavirus has prompted Australians to point the finger at China as the cause of the crisis, because that is where the virus originated. The Australian government is inviting travellers not to travel to China, Iran, South Korea, Japan and Italy because these countries are considered to pose a serious threat to travellers. Meanwhile, such advice has made some people wary of strangers of Asian appearance because they imagine that these people have travelled to the forbidden areas and may have brought back the dreaded virus with them. Asian restaurants in particular have suffered a downturn in business as people steer clear of these establishments. What we are seeing here is the scapegoat mechanism in action. Mimetic contagion has prompted the country to search for a scapegoat to blame for the crisis. This process has led the community to blame the crisis upon Chinese nationals and those of Asian appearance. By avoiding these people, whether they have travelled to danger zones or not, Australians are attempting to expel the scapegoats from their midst. This failed attempt to outcast a communal scapegoat allows the crisis to continue. Even one of the state health ministers, who I won't name and shame because that would be just plain rude, has attempted to scapegoat an Australian doctor by claiming that he incorrectly managed his own coronavirus experience. Australian general medical practitioner, Dr. Chris Higgins, experienced mild cold symptoms after his trip to the USA. Unaware that he had contracted the virus, Dr. Higgins continued his normal medical practice, treating 70 patients at his clinic and another two patients at a nursing home before he finally tested positive for the coronavirus. The health minister, publicly named and shamed Dr. Higgins, stating that she was flabbergasted that he returned to work before being tested for the coronavirus. Yet, the government had not issued any travel warnings for people returning from the USA. In returning to work, Dr. Higgins had followed the recommended procedure. From a mimetic perspective, the health minister has attempted to scapegoat Dr. Higgins. According to mimetic theorists, politicians and monarchs are scapegoats in waiting. In the midst of a mimetic crisis, these people will be scapegoated themselves if they fail to provide a suitable substitute. With panic building, the health minister attempts to present Dr. Higgins as a scapegoat in her stead. Fortunately, the Australian Medical Association and other general practitioners have stepped in and defended the actions of Dr. Higgins, the health minister's failed scapegoat.
The thing is, we've been here before. In 2002, 2003, the world survived the SARS virus, which killed 811 people and generated global panic. Yet, here we are on the same merry-go-round yet again. The coronavirus has already outperformed the SARS virus, claiming the lives of 2,800 people worldwide as at the 26th of February 2020. But will it prove to be the doomsday of planet Earth which our media outlets would have us believe? I think not. So with all this in mind, what should we do? First, go visit your local Asian grocer or restaurant. They're doing it tough because the mimetic machine has selected them as the Australian national scapegoats. Knowing this, let's join in them with solidarity and help ease their burden while enjoying some tasty food. Second, if you're one of those people who fill the trolley with toilet paper and sanitizer at your local supermarket, why don't you check the people in your street have adequate supplies? We wouldn't want our neighbors to go without doomsday items while we recline in our toilet paper thrones. Third, chill out. Despite what the papers say, coronavirus was not going to wipe us out. But yes, listen to the travel and personal hygiene advice offered by your governmental department and medical practitioners. Stay safe and consider the elderly and immunocompromised who are the most vulnerable to this virus. Let's do all we can to protect and care for these people. This brings me to my fourth point. Consider for a moment what we might be able to learn from this coronavirus outbreak. The coronavirus relies on a population through which it can spread. Without a host, any virus will die. This is how herd immunity works. If a population is immunized against a virus, the virus cannot replicate itself and it dies. Even though some within the population are too sick or too young to be vaccinated, these people are protected as long as the vast majority of the population are vaccinated. We almost managed to wipe out polio through herd immunity in the Western world as we had widespread vaccination against this horrid disease. But a new generation has now risen who have no appreciation of the devastating effects of polio. Many conscientious objectors within this generation have chosen not to vaccinate their children against polio, which has allowed the disease to survive. The coronavirus epidemic has demonstrated to us what happens when there is no herd immunity. Because as of yet no vaccine exists for the coronavirus, there is no herd immunity, which has allowed the virus to spread freely from person to person. While it may not seem important to you, please consider the importance of herd immunity for those who are most vulnerable among us. By getting vaccinated against influenza or whooping cough, you might just save someone else's life. Thanks for joining me on the first episode of How Simon Sees It. I'll return next week in the next episode of the Mimetic Exegete podcast. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.